We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to Dream. Draft rules everything around me. My name is Chris Persiain, and you are watching Dream here on Nick's Film School. And I am here today to talk to all of you fabulous people uh, about the, you guessed it, <laughs> 2023 NBA draft. Now, this is, I just got to start it out. No pun intended. This is a fun draft class and it's going to be a really, really big class to analyze, to talk about. Um, I, I think we are going to love this journey of talking about this draft class. So let's do it. Um, I, I think there's only one place to start. <laughs> I know there's only one place to start when introducing this draft class, and that would be with um it would be with the top. And the reason I say that is, there's two reasons. Number one, the top of this draft is ludicrously impressive. I really love a lot of the top prospects. Um my big board is currently about 12 players. There's currently about 12 players on my big board right now. I have it, I have it out from one to 12 rather. Um, and they're all really good. Um, I think a player will go at number two overall that I potentially would have taken number one overall just last year. Um, I think a player will go number three overall that I would take number one next year. So, I think, you know, when you take a look at this top of this draft class, it's fantastic. I think these guys are really good um, and they're going to be really good in the NBA. And so that's fun. But the other reason I think the only place to start with this draft class is in the top of the board is because after a certain amount of guys, I think you kind of hit that tier of upside shots. A little sooner than you'd like. Now, t 
top 14, 16, 18, all lottery worthy guys. Like I think when all is said and done, and when I put out my first draft of my big board, there's going to be someone at 19th overall who I would have taken 14th last year, would take 10th next year. Like that's just how this draft is. But there also might be someone at number 30 in this draft class who would have gone number 40 last year. And, and if that makes sense, um, I just think that once you get past the chunk and Sam Vicini, the athletic friend of the draft class show, uh, guest of episode five last year, I, I think that he spoke about this as well, that, he, that he's a little concerned with uh, the quality of first rounder value return that you're going to get from the end of the first round. Now, the New York Knicks front office specifically has excelled at plucking value out of the end of that first round. Um, If you ask me personally, Emmanuel Quickly and Quentin Grimes would indubitably be both in the top 10 in redrafts of their respective classes. Um, and, And I think if you asked 30 GMs around the NBA, they neither of them would go outside of the lottery uh, on average. So the, the Knicks have been fantastic at finding value in those spots. And now that they've traded one of their first round picks um, in the Josh Hart deal, which we'll talk about as well, uh, it, it really does, you know, look like they'll kind of be camping there again, waiting for someone to fall to them. And I just think that there are enough guys out to the 18, 20, 21 range of this draft that are lottery caliber guys that someone could fall to this Knicks squad that looks like a young playoff ready squad. You know, they could add another in, uh, and, and to me, I would think a, a wing would be what this team would be targeting. Um, but let's talk about first laying some ground foundations. Let's talk about, um, starting off evaluation of this draft class. So going into beginning my big board, um, I certainly was excited to do so. And I personally got started right with Victor Wenbanyama. Now, this was the only place to start, in my opinion. And and, and that's because Wenbanyama is just such an otherworldly talent um, that I, I kind of had to deep dive. And, and this was months ago. The NBA featured a match between him and Scoot Henderson. And I'd already loved Scoot from what I had seen of him last year, scouting some other guys in that program. So, you know, this, this was a really strong one-two punch for me. And in my opinion, this one-two punch stacks up with any one-two punch of prospects that we've seen recently. Now, you got to think back... Um, And, and, you know, Raphael Barlow brought up a good point. Maybe Derek Rose and Malik Beasley, (laughs) the last one-two punch of prospects that had close to as much like juice uh, and hype as these two guys. And, you know, a lot of people would tell you they would take this pairing over that pairing. Um, In my opinion, this is going to be a very fun duo to watch grow throughout their career. I think they will, to no fault of their own, be compared to each other for a while. because they're so different, <laughs> you know, one is a athletic point guard. One is a kind of wiry center and they're both the franchise changers. But that's my point here is that I view both of these guys as franchise changing talents. I think Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson each have the ability within them already and the potential within them to walk into a franchise and change that franchise's direction 
from day one. And to expand on that, I think Emmanuel Quickly and Quentin Grimes changed the direction of the Knicks. And I don't think they did so in a large way, but I think the two of them combined allowed the Knicks to be good in a way now that led to them dealing for someone like Hart that has them playing at a 50 win pace since taking Cam Reddish out of the rotation and making the change to put McBride in. Now it's Hart. Um, this Knicks team got ahead because it hit on its draft picks. And I think that when Banyama or Henderson have that ability singularly, not quickly plus Grimes, not hitting on two first rounders, I think one of these guys in your building accelerates your rebuild or it kickstarts it or it just really gives you a, you know, what's better than blue chip? <laughs> like, I, I can't fathom speaking on Scoot Henderson for less than an hour and being happy with it. And that there's so much to rant and rave about that. I, I feel like I'd be leaving out in discussing him, you know? So um, as opposed to sitting here and ranting and raving about these two top guys, I will use this kind of as a soapbox to talk about um, how much of them I watched before putting them on my big board. And, and I mean this for prospects in general, um, because you guys are going to get updated big boards throughout the draft cycle uh, for this draft class. Last year, I put out big boards, you know, started certain numbers, it's 10, then 14. And, you know, I, I don't have exact dates for when those will come out for you guys. But uh, no, I'm working hard behind the scenes on that. Always big board is out to 12 guys, as I said now. And the way you land on my big board is a couple, a couple things, a couple check marks have to be hit. So number one, I have to have seen two full games. Uh, even if it's a clipped version of the game where it's every just minute that that one player was on the court, I don't think that that's enough because you need to see how their team looks without them on the court. Uh, you ever you ever hear the saying? I know you have. You don't know what you got or had until you lose it. Um, well, yeah, it takes missing out on a player on the on the court to to see what they really bring to their team, in my opinion. So, you know, I think watching full games is really important to having a legit evaluation of someone. Um, that's why two full games is the minimum to land on my big board. But that's one checkbox. Another checkbox is, you know, six to eight clipped versions of games. So I do watch those. I also like to watch the full version at some point, but if I've got 30 minutes before class, yeah, I'll check out a new prospect and watch eight games of theirs uh, in an hour, you know, four and 30 minutes uh, as opposed to the full game to start. But um, watching, you know, several, several, five, six, seven clipped games of all their touches, all their turnovers, assist points, rebounds, steals, blocks, everything. They're missed shots, right? Everything. I think that, you know, as long as you're still watching full games, um, is a way to get somewhere. And and then that those two factors plus an interview, seeing a post-game interview, an interview online with you know some of the great draft creators out there, um, I, get, getting a look into how they see their own game, I think is really cool and helpful to evaluating a prospect. So just to land on my big board, I will not put someone on my big board until we're at that point, until we're at the point where uh, you know they're is a, a real base of knowledge for me to go off of. I'm not projecting. I'm not taking 
two games and uh, stretching them out to say, oh, this is what this guy is going to play like for the next 10 years. You know, I, I, I can't do that. So for guys to land on my big board, you got to, I've got to see about five hours worth of them <laughs> to start. And, and that's where we're at right now. Um, so those two guys are first on my big board, Victor Wemanyama and Scoot Henderson. Now I'm going to walk you guys through three, four and five. And then if you have any you know, questions, anything else you want to ask about, want me to just keep running through my top 10, um, we'll go ahead and do that. But as of right now, you know, just plan for the next 10 minutes or so um, just for this next you know, upcoming segment is to just kind of run you guys through three, four and five and my thought processes on those players. Like I said, uh, this first, um, this first, yeah, David, Great comment. Real ball knowledge is knowing that you don't know the future. Absolutely. If you think that you can watch 10 games of a college player and say exactly who they're going to be, I don't think anyone's that fantastic at evaluation that is evaluating prospects not for an NBA team. And I think a lot of people that work for NBA teams would also happily tell you that they have, you know, not even half the knowledge they wish they had or that some of their, you know, peers in the industry have, um, there's always more to learn. And I think something you notice is people who like don't change their evaluations. And this is not, uh, these are not Twitter fingers. I'm not throwing subs at anyone here. I, I'm just saying like, if you don't change your evaluation, if you are wrong on a guy and then don't, you know, change it. Like, I think that's selling yourself short of so much learning. Like I love missing on prospects and learning from them. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton and Sharif Cooper were two prospects I missed on evaluation wise. I had Halliburton at the end of the lottery. Um, I, I don't think today that he's some franchise point guard. I do think that, you know, him making an all star game is no accident. I think he's really good at basketball. And so I think that when you take a look at him and how much better he is in the NBA than in college, there are certain factors like his handle and his pull-up shot that developed a lot faster than I thought they would for him. And that's a real big credit to him. Uh, conversely, Sharif Cooper is someone who I had in the top 10 um, who has not panned out to that degree at all yet or close to it. Um, he hasn't panned out to a first round degree and you could argue he's panned out to a top 45 50 pick degree well which is where he went so you, you know i learned a lot from that evaluation too and projecting and, and what i think will translate to an nba level um i i also on the other hand of things i'm also wary about overcompensating right if you were really low on devin booker and you didn't think that he was going to be anything special and he was just you know another bench scorer and now you have nick smith as the number fourth prospect in the draft because you're like oh he's booker 2.0 he's going to be a hero plus plus he's you know overcompensating over you know uh, adjusting is dangerous too so just philosophically there's so much to talk about when it comes to evaluations um, there's so much to talk about when it comes to how you view prospects. There's so much to talk about in terms of how others view prospects and, and our thoughts on them. Um, and that's what I really try to do here on Dream and on Draft Class is highlight and bring to light a whole bunch of viewpoints and then kind of manage them and pick the, the path that I think, hey, this is how I see this guy and this is why. Um, I really try to leave evidence out for you guys to build with as opposed to 
you know, give you guys takes to you must you must follow the takes. Um, so yeah, uh, let's get back to the 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 board um, and and applying some of these principles, applying some of these uh, debates to these prospects. And number three on my board, I have Amen Thompson. Um, that's when Benyama Henderson. Thompson and one, two, three. That's pretty chalk right there. But as someone who's really watched these three guys, I, I believe in them all three. And I do think when Manyama and Henderson kind of have separated themselves from Thompson, but uh, the, the phrase with Thompson that people seem to say the most, you talk to you know, Rafael Barlow, Prez, whoever it is, smarter people than I, I'm in Thompson's a walking paint touch. Uh, Vicini, right? Like he's a walking paint touch. And and if this kid can generate that much rim pressure with that much ease, there has to be something there to build on. And and when you take a look at his otherworldly athleticism, um, when you take a look at the twit, he's so twitched up. And and just it it comes down to can he shoot? It comes down to can he shoot? So Amen Thompson, you know, a shot, a jump shot away from being in that top tier with Wenbanyama and Henderson. I, I would say he's, you know, that second tier for me. If Wenbanyama and Henderson are star, superstar potential guys, I'd say Thompson is like the tippity top of the potential star tier under that for me. Um, but I think he's the top for a reason. He's got a really good shot at panning out, if you ask me. And I, I think that. He's so fun and he's so gifted to watch. Um, Jonathan Wasserman in his mock draft today sent him to Charlotte to play with LaMelo Ball. And I just think that that would be such a nuts thing to watch. Going from watching Amen and his brother Osar in uh, the overtime league to the NBA with LaMelo Ball and Amen Thompson, I think would be fantastic. I, I also think Thompson could fit in really nicely on some other teams that are in need of just some raw initiation or another playmaker out there, uh, especially if they have a lead guard that can pull above the break threes, space the floor out in that way. I think Thompson could be really good attacking secondarily to start out his career. Um, I would say something that worries me with Thompson, uh, a lot of people talk about the competition. And I, I do think that at a certain point, you have to look at it like a math problem. Um, if, if someone messes up at the start of a math problem, the teacher will remove points. But if they do the, mess, the, the rest of the problem right, then they're still going to get partial credit. And, and that partial credit concept is what I'm talking about here with the Thompson twins in the overtime league. I think that, uh, yes. It's absolutely important to look at um, Amen Thompson and Osar Thompson's competition as suspect, as worthy of you know further scoping. But I also think that it can be true that they're doing incredibly given those circumstances, and that's you know what you expected of them in, in that level of play. I think, especially Osar, who we'll get to in a little bit, has been really good recently passing the rock. Um, you know, he really naturally defers to his brother Amen, the the more natural playmaker of the two. But scouts out there have said that they see uh, Osar as being closer than than you know people think. I, I've talked to someone, uh, you know, who I really trust, someone else who's younger in the draft community. My guy Arya, if you know him, um, 
at a Charles on Twitter for if you want to give him a follow. But we he talked about how he didn't see as big of a gap between Amen and Osar either. I think that's totally cool. Like that's fine. To me, Amen elevated himself just with the potential of this guy can make something happen every single play every single play he can make something happen and it's natural it's easy um i think that you know there's just something to him being a, a gamer having that feel that other playerly it's like not real but it it is and and so he's such a magician such a wizard at the lead guard spot i i think Amen Thompson could really pan out in the NBA really well. Just the athleticism is, is really what I'm betting on. And that's what helps me separate him from other guys in the same tier as him. So like, you know, I would say I have one and two Wenbanyama and Henderson in the same tier. And after that, you know, from three to six or three to eight, I have like my next tier. It's a lot bigger. And I, I think I'm, I'm ends at the top of that because of his unreal athleticism, his otherworldly athleticism, and just how spectacular he looks playing the sport of basketball. There's something to that when it's as natural as it is for him. And he's making his teammates better and playing well himself. Uh, it, it all comes together for me with Amen. I think he will struggle starting out in the NBA as a lot of young guards do. I think he's really going to struggle, especially because of his frame, um, his finishing ability and his skill is great. But in the NBA, I think it's going to take him maybe just a couple months, but it will take some time in that rookie year, at least to get acclimated to the larger rim protectors, um, the, the level of competition that's not really there in the overtime elite league. And I think that Thompson both of them, the Thompson twins will have to get used to finishing at the NBA level. Um, if they want to do it consistently, like they have in their kind of high school vibe level of competition. Uh, I think that you wish they played in more gritty scenarios, more situations in game where it felt like they had to produce uh, but there's just kind of this vibe that these kids are both going top 10, no matter what anyone says, because they're going to both walk into the league as, you know, top 10 percentile athletes or what is it, you know, 90th percentile athletes. Um, yeah. So we'll get to all-star later. I think Amen thing, Amen's thing is really just, he needs to shoot. Uh, but the athleticism, like I said, is why he is a top my, this portion of my board here. Um, and that brings us perfectly to my number four prospect on my board. So when Benyama, comma, Victor, number one, Scoot Henderson, number two, Amen Thompson, number three. And at number four, I've got someone whose hype uh, I really bought uh, for a while now. Um, you know, Team USA games a couple months back over the summer, uh, even just the start of Villanova's season was like, okay, we need this guy to get in now because we need him to get back now. I want to see him play. I really want to see him play. Cam Whitmore is number four on my board. Um, he, he's playing on, on a rough team this year. First year head coach and Kyle Neptune. Um, not exactly the best developing situation 
going on over there. Um, but you know, Whitmore is my number one NCAA prospect. And I think this is the case for a lot of people. Um, and it's the reason that I had on men up there too. I have on men up there too, is the athleticism. Uh, Whitmore to me looks like he's going to translate so easily. Nick fans are very familiar with a two slash three guard being really quick closing out from the corners. Quentin Grimes and Fred Katz of The Athletic has written a great piece about this. Quentin Grimes has amazing speed when he uh, cuts from the corner, when he finishes plays. Um, you, you know, it's like his kind of signature to drive in and dump it to the big. It's usually Mitchell Robinson. Um, I think you've seen him do it a little less recently because Hartenstein and Sims are less conducive to that play than Robinson is with his style of, you know, athletic dominance. But um, Whitmore isn't someone who reminds me of Grimes as a prospect in general, but the way that he attacks from the corner with his athleticism, I think gives him a role in his rookie season. He can stand in the corner, knock down open threes, um, attack closeouts and and dunk over larger defenders at the rim, finish through them. Uh, I think he's a kid who can bulk up nicely. And I, I don't want to say he reminds me of AJ Griffin, but he reminds me um, of he, 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 he's like kind of my AJ Griffin of this draft in the sense that um, I have him top five. A lot of people do a lot of people don't, but at the end of the day, I'm just rolling with the athleticism and I'm trusting this wing athlete to pay off my bet. And and the reason I really like Whitmore, I think the playmaking flashes are there. I think the defensive flashes are there with him. The athleticism just unlocks so much for this kid. He's really young and there's everything is there to build off of, in my opinion. And, and, if he can add a real nice in-between game, um, become a mid-range killer, uh, I, I think that'll couple nicely with what has already been shown, which is his stellar talent, uh, his finishing around the rim, his his athleticism. His his frame is fantastic. His frame is just great. And, and so when you look at Cam Whitmore, to me, you have a guy that you just want on your team. You want that young player to build around. Uh, you want him as part of your young core. Um, and he's someone that, you know, I, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not confident as of right now that he's the kind of prospect that teams would really trade up for. I think that would be more of Scoot Henderson, who I, I don't name one Banyama because I don't think whoever has the number one pick will be willing to trade it unless a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder offers literally a Brinks truck worth of first round picks. Um, that makes it so beyond worth it that they have to take it. Um, I think that you you look at you know the top of this draft and and Henderson, maybe Amen Thompson, a little you know risky to trade up for, but those are the guys that guys might move the, the teams might move up for, or then a player like a Brandon Miller who we'll get to in a little bit as well that you know has some a lot of qualities that people see and they just go yes he can contribute now today. Um, but yeah, Cam Whitmore is is up there for me, and I I really would bet on him. I would draft him very highly, size fourth overall, um, and and I just think that he is a really great bet to take. Um, and and he raises the question to me almost like philosophically about the draft um, with him and Brandon Miller. You know, do you take 
the known quantity, more of the known quantity. And Brandon Miller, someone with the skill, someone with the pace, someone who has a gorgeous picture, perfect jump shot. Um, I didn't like it at first. And and Prez kind of put me onto low releases not mattering if they make them. And I was like, okay, uh, I, I am a high release guy. It's why I, you know, I, I really liked Quentin Grimes as a prospect. Um, I believe I had him like in the low 30s. I had a manual quickly uh, in the first round though. And he had a lower release in college. So that's all right. You know, you just got, if you're good, you're good. Um, and Brandon Miller is is really good, but Cam Whitmore's potential uh, could be greater than Miller's potential slash the points he gets for being really good today. Um, and so that's why if you ask me, Cam Whitmore is my number one NCAA prospect. Um, it's because I'm just so in on him as an athlete, but I also really think he's a good basketball player uh, and, and can be a, a really, really good basketball player. I'm not going to throw Jalen Brown out there as a comparison because I think it's off, but in terms of long-term how you view him as part of your team building, like I think Whitmore could be a guy that, you know, oh, he's you know top 30, top Whatever in the NBA and you know your top twenty-five, you really have to uh, really have to max him or what? Like, I think he can be a really important part of your team building. I think he can be a number two wing on a really really good team, um, or the best wing if they have you know like an Embiid or Jokic or I guess it would be someone else in a couple of years. But uh, yeah, Whitmore is fantastic to me, and so I've got him number four on my board uh, about half an hour in here to dream want to thank you guys for tuning in uh, share thumbs up whatever it is you want to do appreciated um, but most appreciated to me honestly are your comments and your interaction getting to talk and hang out with you guys is the best for over 30 years the law offices of weiss and rosenblum in new york city has been home to a team of award-winning hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results whether you've been injured in a car accident fall construction accident or other traumatic event weiss and rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award regardless of the severity of your injury and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve call weiss and rosenblum today at 212-366-6100 Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. You've got New Year's goals, and HelloFresh is here to help you achieve them. Take control of your time and budget with delicious recipes delivered right to your door. Looking for an easy way to eat well and save money this year? Cut back on expensive takeout and delivery and get started with HelloFresh. You'll love how easy, fun, and affordable it is to whip up a restaurant-quality meal right in your own kitchen. With fast and fresh recipes, HelloFresh's latest line of meals featuring robust flavors and filling portions are ready in less than 50 minutes. Enjoy taste and quality done quick with recipes like falafel power bowls, seared steak and potatoes with béarnaise sauce, or southwest pork and bean burritos. If you know anything about me, you know that I'm not the greatest when it comes to cooking. Thankfully, I found a life partner that loves her time in the kitchen and loves putting together these elaborate meals. Unfortunately, with her schedule working at a school all day and my schedule covering sports all night, we rarely have time to go to the grocery store together. Well, HelloFresh has made it possible for us to do all all the grocery shopping for the week right from the comfort of our living room. In fact, just last night when I was editing the latest KFS pod, she was putting together two plates of Presto Pesto Panko Chicken with roasted potatoes and green beans. We were able to do dinner and a movie without even leaving the comfort of our own home. And this is just one of several delicious HelloFresh meal options with cook and prep time taking less than an hour. When you've got busy, conflicting schedules like ours, you don't have to go out for dinner and a movie. Instead, it comes right to you. Don't hesitate. Head to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool65 and use code FilmSchool65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool65 and code FilmSchool65 for 65% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. As we move on, I will now give the number five prospect on my big board. Um, number one, Victor Wembanyama. Number two, Scoot Henderson. Number three, Amen Thompson. Number four, Cam Whitmore. Number five, Jarris Walker. 
out of Houston. Yes, Jarris Walker, very polarizing and lots of debates. Um, I'm just going to start out and say I'm a big fan of considering the high school sample as part of who he is. Um, he didn't share the, bu- the ball as much as high school. It, sorry, he didn't share the ball as much in high school. And as a result, you know, was doing a little more playmaking. And I think that that is within him. Now, I know he's playing with some really good players at Houston. One of them is Marcus Sasser, who... Uh, well, not today. We will definitely not get to Marcus Sasser uh, today, but we will be talking about him at some point because he's really fun. Um, he has some guards to do some playmaking for him now. And so Jarris is playing a little bit more of what I think might look like his NBA role. Um, but we're seeing him do lots of things that lottery picks do and that top picks do. And and that to me is because he is one of those guys. You, you look at who Jairus is as an athlete. And I think um, he was even a better athlete in high school. Uh, that burst, not 100% with him right now. Um, but it, I think he might still be recovering. We'll see if this ages poorly and maybe I'll adjust and, and, you know, speak differently on it. But, um, you know, there's always like AJ Griffin last year, I thought wasn't playing with his full pop because he was still getting used to recovering from his injury and, and, and playing, having gotten injured before like that. Um, I think Jairus might be going through something similar overall. I just think Jairus super translatable to the NBA, especially the modern one. Um, he's switchable defensively. I, I, I trust him to guard two through five small ball fives. Definitely. Um, and, and, and for me, the offensive side is, is really easy because um, I, I just think it's one of those, like I'm looking for a pen to hold here. I just think it's one of those. You know, can he make open threes? Check. Okay. Defenses have to close out on him. Keep honest, right? I believe in Jairus's shot. So if they're closing out on him, does he have the athleticism to take them off the dribble? Yes. Okay. Uh, does he have the build and the frame and the strength to bump them off of him as he attacks baseline and, and puts up a shot? Oh, he's super strong. Oh, he's actually brolic. Oh, okay. Double check there. Um, can he do something other than just go up strong at the rim? Oh, he has arguably the best floater game in, in, in the whole draft class. Oh, check, 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 check. Oh, oh, well, hold on. Hold on. I got you now. Jairus Walker can't pass. He can't play. What's that? He can run, pick and roll as a four man. He can run, pick and roll as a small ball. Oh my God. Check, 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 check. This guy is just fantastic to me. And I'm a lot higher on him than, than a lot of people right now. Um, There's a lot of guys out there. uh, A lot of gals out there with Jairus number 13, number 15. Um, Stock is flying up to me. I really, really like Jairus Walker. I did a breakdown over on TikTok a while back on his floater game. um, And I've just been so on top of him as a prospect. I really think he's just good. He's just good. And he's going to translate in the NBA, in my opinion, as someone who can, from the jump, like Whitmore, attack closeouts, can make his open shots, can, you know, kind of tread water offensively. Um, and then really show you why he's out there on the defensive side. But as he grows throughout his career, add more things to his offensive game. He's made several fadeaway jumpers this year. Is that going to be something that's in his bag of tricks down the line against longer NBA defenders? Maybe, maybe not. But what I do know is that the floater touch 
cannot be removed. And I think that will translate to his three point shooting, which is already somewhere uh, can be a little higher volume, but you know, a couple of years back, I remember I was looking at guys like Jeremy Grant, Julius Randall, Christian Wood, and they all just kind of were league average from three on a low amount of attempts per game. And it's like, they were still getting their job done on the inside. Now, Randall, of course, has become a much more perimeter-oriented player, and Christian Wood uh, still an average shooter. You know, so I think you look at these guys; it's a, they, you know, they get by. Um, Jarris doesn't need to be a sniper; he just needs to hit the open shots, and that's why that was a check mark to me. Uh, I think the free throw percentage, the three point percentage. Um, just get to average. I think he'll be all right from there. And that's all you need because what he does in the other aspects of the game is just spectacular, spectacular stuff. So I'm a really big fan of Jarris Walker. Um, that's why he's number five on my big board coming out of Houston. I'm really big on his defense and I'm pretty big on his offense. Combine those two and and we didn't even talk too much about his defense. I, I, he's a wrecking ball, man. Uh, Jarris is not someone that I would stick out on a... You know, I always think of Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, but uh, nowadays it's probably... Jason Tatum, um, you know, other, other wing players, uh, Jason Tatum, Paolo Boncaro, you know, guys like that. But I, I don't think I would deploy Jarris as a one-on-one stopper in those situations. I would not use Jarris the way that the Toronto Raptors use OG Ananobi, for example, just go and stick him on a guy. Um, but I think I would love to use Jarris Walker as uh, Robert Covington. Um, I think I would use Jairus as <laughs> Malcolm Jenkins, like a free safety. You know, I think that he can go out there and wreak havoc defensively, especially off the ball. He's got great instincts, you know, and, and he's really fun to watch on that end of the floor. So uh, you ask me, he's a top five prospect for me today. I think he is great. I, I really, really, really like that kid. Um, so, yeah, there's the top five of my big board. That's how it stands right now. Oh, just hit my knee very hard. Um, <laughs> that's where we're at. Number one, Victor Wembanyama. Two, Scoot Henderson. Three, Amen Thompson. Four, Cam Whitmore. And five, Jarris Walker. Uh, that is where we're at with the top five on my big board as it stands today. So, any questions from you guys on those five players? Any questions from you guys just philosophically on, on how you think they'll fit on different teams? Let me know. I'll check out the comments section. Um, in the meantime, I'll make some comments about who's number six on my draft board. And as of right now, that is the other shoe dropping uh, from the Thompson family. Osar Thompson. He's number six on my draft board as of right now. Um, so Jairus Walker, five. Osar Thompson six. And yeah, that's that's pretty high for Osar. Um, but I think he's gonna be really good. And the word that screams Osar to me is is connector. Um, but what's cool about him is he's super twitched up the same way that Amen is. Now uh, he's not as twitched up. I shouldn't have said the same way because that was definitely an exaggeration, but he's in the same upper echelon of athletes. Now, Amen, if he walks into the NBA, a top 5% athlete might be understating it. Um, I think Osar walks into the NBA, a top 15% athlete. That might be understated. Maybe Amen's top 3%. Um, 
and and also our top 10. Uh, let's see. 450 jerseys times 5%. 22 and a half. Yeah, no. Let's go Amen Thompson, top 3 to 4% athlete in the league. And also our like, top 10, top 8%. So yeah, these kids, these twins are freakishly athletic. Um, and I think that when you evaluate them in the overtime league. Yes, it's tough and whatever, but something that really stands out to me with Osar is despite the fact that he's not playing in an uber competitive league or anything, he's always making winning plays. He's always sacrificing himself out there. Um, I, I, what's really stood out to me is his connective passing. Uh, he doesn't always need to get the assist. He doesn't need to be super involved. I just think he's always making the right plays. And um, in a very converse opposite way. He reminds me of Obi Toppin offensively in the sense that, and I'm talking about in the NBA, Obi Toppin in the sense that when he has the ball, he has such a good knowledge of what the guys are doing out there that he can just make a smart play. All his passes are positive. All his passes advance the play in some way. All his passes help someone else. Um, And so I don't think that those two, Osar and Obi, are good comparisons at all, but I just do think this is Knicks Film School. Um, can help you guys a little bit from a Knicks perspective talking about uh, things you've seen on the court a lot and, and how they translate. So Obi's always making smart passes because he really understands what's going on on the court. And Osar is the same way. Um, you can pass it to him and he'll get it right to someone for an assist if he can see them. And he usually does, uh, but he's also an insane athlete and he can also kind of shoot it. Not really, but catch and shoot like should exist in the league. I think he'll be able to catch and shoot open threes in the league. Um, hopefully for him, uh, three, three attempts a game, <laughs> you know, by the time he's a starter, uh, yeah, if he is one. Um, but like Osar Thompson's the guy that just screams like this Toronto Raptor team to me, you know, I feel like the San Antonio Spurs would be all over him. Um, there are just a lot of teams that I think Osar Thompson would, would really fit well on as someone to be part of the young core, as someone to help lift the other guys in the young core up as someone to help lift both the offensive and defensive floor and ceiling of the team that he's on um, eventually. But I do think coming into the league, he's definitely going to lower the offensive floor of his lineups that he's in. Uh, and I think that you know a lot of that needs to be addressed in regards to his finishing. Um, also, a little more bulked up than Amen, so you can trust his finishing more than Amen's. But I think both of them um, need to uh i think both of them need to get better in that regard um and we'll see how they translate it's that it's tough for me to leave it just at that but yeah we will see how they translate at the nba level i'm certainly excited to uh let's take a look at your comments who's a guy you can see realistically falling to the knicks with the mavs pick that i like yeah, I think this is a good place to take an intermission um, from my top 10. Uh, talk about two players that I can see falling to that pick that I like. Um, let's see. Number one, probably Maxwell Lewis. 
Pepperdine. Um, he screams Walt Perrin. Uh, he has the length. He has the the production. Um, he just he really seems like someone that Walt Perrin would love and, and see as a player who can produce now as well as have upside to produce at a much higher level in the future. Um, and Max Lewis, you know, to me, soon might like he might be in my top ten today on my personal big board. Um, I don't know if I'm there yet. He might be 11 today out of the 12 guys that I have on my board. Um, He might be 10, but he's really good. And I think that Maxwell Lewis is one of those guys who, and I I hate this. I know every, um, I know every, wing that's long gets compared to Paul George and it's like the worst thing. Um, But I do think that Maxwell Lewis uh, isn't the worst thing to look at with Paul, like Paul George, Fresno State, Maxwell Lewis, Pepperdine. I think there might be something there. This is not to say that, you know, uh, Maxwell Lewis is my number one pick in the draft because uh, he's certainly not, but um, I do think that there's a, a, a universe exists for my you know, Marvel fans out there seeing the ads for the, the trailers for the upcoming movies. I think there's a, a multiverse out there where Maxwell Lewis is picked number 17 overall and ends up being a top five player in the draft class. You know, I think that I think that can happen. So he's someone who could fall um, that, I, that I think could end up being really good. Uh, someone else who could fall that I think could end up being really good is Jalen Hood Shafino. Um, Indiana. Uh, I think that he makes decisions really quickly and that really appeals to me. Um, oh, actually, some of you guys are talking about him in the comments here. Uh, Dirty Dancer. Um, Fargo Tufo. Yeah. Yeah, Fargo. Totally. Uh, Hood Shafino. Um, I think that that kid is great. Uh, he's really fun. He he's like a kick-ass kind of player, um, one of those dogs you want on your team. Uh, but I I also do think that the Knicks have a lot of players in Brunson, Quickly, Grimes, Barrett, and Josh Hart that kind of make it hard for me to project him getting any playing time. So um, Hunchafino, I could see falling to the Knicks range, and I really like him, but. Um, to answer your question, Kevin, I, I'm not sure I would, you know, for the Knicks, I'm not sure I would take him. Oh, we got a we got a super chat. Let's read this one out. Fargo Tufo with the super chat. Thank you for that, Fargo. Uh, the question on Knicks draft philosophy. Do you ever see them drafting someone more raw to develop? Or do you see them targeting uh, the high floor role player types? That's a great question, Fargo. Um, thank you again for asking. Thank you again uh, for watching. Um, your support is super appreciated. So thanks for the super chat. Uh, and to answer your question, um, I think the Knicks have have established themselves as having a type in the draft. I think that type has more to do... Obviously, we know pull-up shooting, spot-up shooting is a big thing. Um, just 
when you look at the data, a lot of Nick acquisitions rank really highly uh, on spot up shooting, pull up shooting graphs, pull up shooting, particularly um, Alec Burks, Evan Fournier, Kemba Walker, um, Jalen Brunson, you know, these, these <laughs> Emmanuel quickly, Quentin Grimes, these guys kind of all play into that category. But to me, the Knicks type is high character guys. Um, guys that they think love basketball, guys that they think love getting better at basketball, guys that they think l- want to be part of a winning organization and can be part of the Knicks family. Uh, I'm, you know, the, the business side of things, guys that they think are, are, that are worth betting on and trusting to develop and return trade value at some point or return value of their draft pick. Like they, they draft guys. That, to me, it seems like the Knicks draft players that they believe you know, obviously you draft a player you believe in, but they believe in for reasons other than, oh, he has a cool jump shot. Um, I, I don't want to turn this into a negative thing. So I'm not going to name names of players that the Knicks, you know, haven't drafted. I'm sure maybe they liked some of the guys I'm thinking about, but, um, you know, there are players popping off across the league right now, young players getting a lot of hype, um, young guards that are putting up tons and tons of points per game recently uh, that just, you know, off the court don't seem like leaders or don't seem like people who love getting better at basketball or, you know, had issues off the court in college or someone else uh, somewhere else. Um, And so I think that's, that has to all be baked into it. And I think that when you, uh, (laughs) when, (laughs) yeah, uh, you you got who I was talking about Fargo Um, when you are are thinking of most, but you know, it really matters to the Knicks in my opinion that these guys like Emmanuel quickly had to get locked out of Kentucky gyms. We talked about this last year on draft class because I love my, I love my sickos, right? I love guys that are psychos that want to get better no matter what. And quickly is one of those guys. It's no surprise that he's a great fit in Madison Square Garden, you know? So, um, that is like the ground level of answering your question. And now to actually answer your question, I will say, I do think the Knicks like guys that can come in and play a role, um, and, and help the team win games from day one. And then, can develop later to be even better. For example, Quentin Grimes plays a role right away. He's doing what he's doing right now, not getting any offensive sets ran for him. Um, He just goes out there, plays within the flow of the game, had a rough game recently. Obviously the hard acquisition, he's playing a little less minutes. Maybe it's tough on him. Maybe it threw him off his kilter, but to me, he's played a fantastic all year because he's been a star in his role. Josh Hart is a star in his role. Emmanuel quickly is a star in his role as the sixth starter of the team. Um, in my opinion, guys who are stars in their roles, like Alec Burks, like man, Mitchell Robinson is a star in his role nowadays, you know, like guys who just really go at what their job is and kill it. Todd Gibson, a star in his role, you know, Jeremiah Robinson Earl was a player who I compared to Todd Gibson a little bit in the sense that like, I think he would just love the dirty work and, you know, you see these Nova guys, how they pan out, um, that's why I thought of him. Uh, I, I just think like that stuff is worth considering. Um, so when you when you look at you know guys' track record in college, did they produce right? Obi Toppin produced in college and had a chance to come into the NBA. Um, you know, the Knicks are using him as a perimeter oriented player, which arguably is not the best for his development, but it could be, it's definitely not the best for his production right now, but you could certainly argue it's best for his development. Um, 
if you wanted to. So I, I think that, you know, that's a, that's a mixed bag, but pretty much every single other prospect is just doing what they were really good at in college in the NBA. And they're ending up really good at it uh, quickly has grown a lot. And so that development curve is great to see. Um, but everyone else, you know, even Jericho Sims, just being athletic, you know, just doing what he does. And so I think the Knicks like guys that can come in and and just fill a role. And that's why, you know, Max Lewis, I think he has a lot of potential. I think he has a lot of room to grow, but I also think he can come in and knock down the open shots. I think he can take the ball to the rim and, and you know, attack an open lane. I think he can be a smart defensive team player out there and use his length intelligently. Um, there's there's both sides of it and i'm not trying to fall into the you know dave gettleman cliche of oh well we're gonna win now and we're gonna rebuild at the same time and then you end up doing neither uh the knicks have actually effectively been doing both for the last several years uh despite you know it being said that it's impossible to do so so uh when you look at them hitting on their picks and like i discussed earlier grimes and quickly really helped with that um that that helps that aspect of that all right. Now, let's get back to uh, my big board. Um, number one, Victor Wemanyama. Number two, Scoot Henderson. Number three, Amen Thompson. Number four, Cam Whitmore. Number five, Jarris Walker. Number six, Osar Thompson. At number seven, this is where I've got Brandon Miller as of right now at the number seven slot on my board. Um, Miller, someone who's going to come in right away can shoot the pill open or contested Brandon Miller can make three point shots. He can make pull up mid range shots. Uh, Miller reminds me a little bit of Devin Vassell in the sense that he just goes out there and is very boring about how he does the very exciting things that he goes out there and does. It's not like his game is boring. He just has like a boring flavor to a very exciting game. And it almost, it's like a, it's like a very cool style. Um, and it makes Miller fun to watch. So, you know, a lot of people have Miller uh, as a top player in the draft. Um, he's not in my top five personally. Uh, as, you know, he's here at number seven um, as of right now. And I'd say the reason for that is really just about these other guys more than about him. Um, they bring a little less to the table now than Miller might on a game to game basis in terms of how good they actually are. But I definitely think that their potential makes the conversation different. I definitely think that their athleticism, which weighs into their potential, is is the biggest factor of it all. Um, for me, Brandon Miller does not have that athletic pop, that vertical pop, that lateral twitch. Uh, you know, even you know, someone like Stephen Curry, who I think is an underrated athlete, because even though he doesn't have the vertical pop to dunk over guys like a guard the same height as him, like Donovan Mitchell, uh, well, he does have uh, the lateral horizontal athleticism, the twitch that enables him to move so insanely adeptly in small, tight spaces. Um, I think that Brandon Miller kind of lacks that aspect, and that's something that's hard to teach. Uh, but the things that you can teach, he's already really, really good at. Um, and and I think on the court, you just like to see him do it at the NBA level. Like you're just hoping it translates because what he does at the college level um, is so easy to fit into an NBA role. It's so easy to see him as a wing that will just go out there, get you buckets, go out there, be part of the offense and keep things moving and be a real threat to break down defenses and score on them. Um, I, I think 
Brandon Miller has a chance to be really good. That's why he's so high up on my board. I just don't buy as much of the hype as a lot of other people do with him. And I think that that's because those tiny little millimeters of space that he doesn't create matter. Uh, and, and yes, tough shot making is super important and it rules the NBA world. Um, but you see prospects like Johnny Davis, who I was super high on last year, really struggle to start their career because the tough shot making was how they compensated for not being able to create separation, get to their spots with ease at the NBA level. Even if they could do it in college, will they be able to do it at the NBA level? Yeah, I think Brandon Miller will be able to get to his spots and score. Um but against every defender on a night to night basis, he might not bring that same star level consistency that he definitely brings to the college game where he is a night in night out superstar, you know, at the NCAA level. So yeah, that's worth talking about to me, um, worth considering. Uh, I think that when you take a look at Miller, um, and who he is, I, I think that it's just a really good player. Um, I, he, is fun but it's this like i said at the start it's this like boring flavor that makes it more fun i'm scared to throw out the name Kawhi leonard because everyone's gonna freak out oh my god chris compared brandon miller to Kawhi leonard no i didn't stop that but what i did say is that they bring this similar vibe to the game that's like hey i'm about to drop 28 on your head top on like 12 for 20 shooting and it's going to look really easy and you're going to be mad about it. <laughs> the other team's like, ha, yeah. All right, man. You know what? And then they're down 74 59 and Brandon Miller has 32 and they're just like, ah, I have, I have a test tomorrow morning. I got a lab on Friday and it's Wednesday afternoon. And I just got absolutely scorched by a 19 year old. Oh my God. You know, like I, I, I think Miller brings that aspect to his game. That's just so funly boring, boringly fun. Um, I also think that th there's just that, uh, <laughs> that concern that he is not going to pop um, the way that a guy like a Whitmore or either Thompson twin or a Walker might because of their athleticism and what that can help them unlock now and later uh, in terms of in terms of their games um all right all right let's uh let's keep things moving let's keep things rolling uh and get to number eight on my big board Keontae george so when banyama henderson amen thompson my top three whitmore and walker round out five Osar Thompson, Brandon Miller, Keontae George, six, seven, eight. Keontae George at a Baylor, really, really fun player at the top of this draft class. Um, I, you know, Prez talks to me all the time about how he wants to put him in that like upper tier with like a, a Whitmore or an Amen Thompson. Um, but I would definitely say that I agree with Prez in that, you know, you probably have Wenbanyama and Henderson. Then there's Amen Thompson, Cam Whitmore. Arguably, I would put Jarris Walker in there too. Um, and you could say Osar Thompson. I think he's kind of existing between those tiers for me right now. Um, 
but that then there's um speaking on Keontae George, what he's able to do out there on the court for those Bears, Bearsler. All right, I tried, I failed. The Baylor Bears, uh, <laughs> what he's able to do out there. And and you know, first of all, he's a fantastic shooter. So George's shooting is spectacular, and that is something that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Um, he's just really great at getting his game off um you now you take a look at uh the the assist numbers like we talked about he's not always out there um diming and you know making highlight reels of 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 assist plays but i I do think that he passes the ball intelligently enough when he does that it makes you come confident enough in that ability of his to say yeah you know this guy can be a a secondary creator in the nba um because i trust him to get his game off and, and find other teammates, get them involved. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that, um, I, I think that I, I, you know, I, I struggle so much with wanting to put him higher. Um, but for me, he's here because he just has to show more defensively. He has to show the motor is there. Um, but you know, on, on top of that, uh, I think that he has that um, man. He just has that it factor. He has that it factor, and and it's something that you can't outweigh. You can't um, ignore. And it's like you know, Tyrese Maxey is a very different player to him. Maxey was smaller, quicker, uh, more gutsy. Right. But George reminds me a little bit more of, I want to say like Markel Fultz and obviously not that good because college Markel Fultz was going to be the number one prospect over Jason Tatum for a reason or was the number one pick over Jason Tatum for a reason. Um, But I, I, I do think that George gives me that vibe of bigger guard that can control the tempo out there just by kind of exacting his will on the defense. And he has those star flashes, those star vibes. Um, that I think will just make a team really happy for investing in him. Um, in the comments, my comp for Keontae is Eric Gordon. Yeah, that's really fun. Uh, Eric Gordon's old now, but <laughs> he was really good back in the day. And I think he's really good now still. I actually love that acquisition for the clips at the deadline. Um, that comp is fun. I, I like that. Uh, I won't give my cops. I'll, 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 I'll hide from those for now. Um, so <laughs> at number nine and 10 on my board, I'll give a quick, quick rundown of each guy before we get out of here. Number nine, I've got Jet Howard, twitchy wing sniper, uh, son of Jawan over at Michigan. I think he's got the ability to go out there and be a guy that teams can rely on for buckets in a playoff series or that can space the floor for um, star players. Uh, I don't think he's someone you give the ball to and say, hey, go create offense for us every time down the court or even super often. But I do think he's someone that will be worth a lottery pick. Um, And I just he's twitched up and he can shoot. And for me, those two things like he's got them down. You take him top 10, you figure it out later. Now, I do think that as I further evaluate guys like uh, Nick Smith Jr. and Maxwell Lewis, um, other prospects in this lottery range. I do think Jet Howard is a candidate to slip uh, down a little bit. 
But for right now, where I'm at right now, he's number nine on my big board. And then tied for number 10 on my big board are Maxwell Lewis and Nick Smith Jr. Uh, We talked a little bit about Maxwell Lewis earlier. So let's talk about Nick Smith now. Nick Smith, Arkansas, hurt this season, came back, rough first game back. So let's look at the earlier games. Really fun player, really good off the ball scorer. Jordan Poole, a name that comes up for me. Now, Poole, a very different prospect from Smith, but both kind of struggle with their handle, right? And Smith just looks to me like a guy that's going to attack off closeouts, kill. He's got the pull-up jumper. He's got the... um, He's got the... umph. He's got the umph on the offensive end. Is the, Can that be a stat? His umph per 40... You know, he's just—he's got it. You know, he's got the oomph, and and uh, his his dog in him percentage is high. <laughs> you know, I think that uh, we're getting a little silly as we end the hour here on, or more than an hour, but as we end, start to wind down the show here on Dream, uh, I just think Nick Smith is one hell of a dog out there on the court, and that Tyler Hero, um, who Ben Pfeiffer brought up as a comparison, uh, or Jordan Poole, my, my comparison that I'll, I'll I'll give, I'll throw you guys a comparison before we get out of here. Um, are, are two guys that just, yes, Nick Smith can come up big in a playoff series. Uh, he also might have a chance to look really bad for 10 straight regular season games and make you have to really keep betting on him and, and hope that he'll get better. Um, Smith lower in, in the top 10 for me because although I do think that he can be a, a stud level combo guard, um, I don't trust him to fully initiate offense, nor do I think he's a lockdown, fantastic defender. I just think he's a good one who wants to be a good one. And that's really appreciated. Um, but you know, there's enough like little knocks for me that just get him below these other guys who are so great. Nick Smith is Dinwiddie to me, man. I love your takes today, dude. You're killing it in the chat. So, um, not sure. I want to look more into that, but just the style of play. I really, I hear you on that for me. I think hero and pool are mine, but I really hear you on the Dinwiddie comp. Um, And so, yeah, that's my top 10 for right now. I'm going to have a graphic come out soon. Once I get my board to like 18 to 20 guys, and I'm more confident in my 10, I'll put out the 10. Once I get my board to a full first round, I'll I'll give you guys the lottery. Uh, Hopefully, That'll be in a couple months. You'll get lottery. The top 10, maybe early March. We'll see when that comes. Um, But stay tuned here on Nick's Film School for more episodes of Dream. Uh, I think they will be important to stay tuned into as little prequels, as little precursors to season two of a certain beloved off-season program. So... um, With that being said, if I did not address your favorite prospect, we're going to get to him. If I did not address a prospect that you asked about in the comments, I'm going to get to him. If I did not address a prospect that you tweeted at me about, um, I'm sorry, I will get to him. So we're going to talk a lot more about these draft prospects, but I thought, why not start out with 70 minutes talking about my personal top 10 guys in the class as of right now, give you guys an introduction to the 2023 draft class, give you guys a reintroduction to me and how I evaluate draft draft prospects, how I like to talk about them. And I just missed you guys. So I you know, missed my draft community here on YouTube. We had about a hundred of you in here the whole time. And I really appreciate that. Uh, you guys are crazy. You're the best and i hope you all have amazing valentine's day evenings of course my valentine's is the nba draft so i am here on dream sharing 
and expressing my love for the NBA draft. Uh, but for those of you tuning in later, because you were being a normal person and you were out to dinner or something of the sort, uh, I hope you had a nice time. And thanks for tuning in now, uh, even after the show happened. So thanks to everyone who listened live or not. And you're very much appreciated here on Mixed Film School. Chris Percy Einan signing off. I'll see you guys soon. <laughs>